This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception of the Show. All right, Matt. uh, We got fantasy drafts fast approaching, man. I I don't know how. I don't know how many you've got from now until season start, but I've got like five. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) These leagues, they want to, you know, they want to draft late. They want to get all that information, uh, as much information as possible before we start drafting. Uh, And yeah, I think my my league of record is actually drafting. What is it? uh, Tuesday night. Um, but, oh, uh, but yeah, so that, that's an auction draft, which is, uh, going to be, which by the way, I mean, we're all dads and we're all married now. And it's like starting a draft at like, you know, nine o'clock at night, a, an auction draft, mind you, is that's like borderline criminal. <laughs> you, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's auction draft takes forever. Come on, bro. That thing's going until, um, mid past midnight. And oh, I, for mean, sure. I hope every, I hope everybody's in the same time zone for God's sakes. Uh, because yeah, that we're all is West Coasters. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, that's not going to be fun. <laughs> I, I, I've got I've got a few coming up. I've got most of my important ones in the books, though. I hate this is like my weird thing. I hate drafting once we get into the week of the first game of the season because uh-huh. I'm like, okay, no, I should be turning the page now to to week one prep. But maybe that's just because I'm this is my job, right? Like I yeah. start to start prepping like my week one stuff, but. I mean, I can't believe week one is literally next week, dude. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I feel so wholly unprepared, uh, but, oh, uh, but ready, yeah, but crazy. so ready for it all at the same time. I could not be more ready to just get to the real games. Uh, by the time the listeners hear this show, it will be exactly one week uh, until kickoff, which is just madness. And, and, and again, we're, we're fantasy people, you know, we're wide receiver people and it's fine. Uh, but, uh, we're going to do, we're going to continue the conversation that we had, uh, in our previous episode, we went round by round. Uh, and these are tough decisions. You know, if you're looking at wide receivers, if you're going round by round, who do you like? So in the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and 10th round, uh, guys with very similar ADPs, uh, where are we going? Where, where are we leaning? in terms of these two guys, right? So Deontay Johnson is on the docket. Jahan Dotson is on the docket. We'll talk a little Zay Flowers, maybe some Elijah Moore here as well. And Matt's going to give his favorite sleepers, deep sleepers, outside the top 50 wide receivers, guys he really likes late in your drafts uh, that could provide dividends. I'll give one as well. Uh, But I want to start the show off here. Uh, the big news in football yesterday is obviously slow news day, but that's okay. JT Jonathan Taylor was placed on the pup, going to miss the first four games of the season. Meanwhile, he was seeking a trade, and the Colts were taking offers. One of the offers came from Miami. Talk about a, a potential super team. Can you imagine Jonathan Taylor on that squad? Oh my god! Uh, but the rumors are that the Colts wanted Jalen Waddle and more. Now, maybe that includes picks or whatever it might be early in the process. Uh, apparently, Jim Mercer said they wanted to get a first-rounder uh, back for Jonathan Taylor, which is crazy 
Because again, you're not, you don't want to pay the guy, but then you want maximum value from the guy. It's just, I mean, help me make it make sense, but I don't know. What, what were your initial takeaways there from JT going on the pup and then the Colts asking for Jalen Waddle and more crazy stuff? <laughs> I mean, this whole story has been the epitome of what I said to start the show, which is I just can't wait to get to the real games and not have to talk about this nonsense any longer because, yo, this is always what was going to happen. Um, it's been crystal clear from the beginning that the Colts do not want to trade Jonathan Taylor, but they also do not want to pay Jonathan Taylor, which is, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. uh, Austin Eckler made the same. He said the same thing that when the uh, Chargers gave him permission to seek a trade after not wanting to give him a contract extension, they also said, well, yeah, but they were asking for so much in return that it was never gonna, like a trade was never going to materialize. Even if there is another team out there that does want to pay Jonathan Taylor big money or does want to pay Austin Eckler big money, they're not going to also right. give up big draft capital to go do it when they right. know you don't want to pay him. It's just it's cra it's crazy, right? So um, I think it's been pretty clear all along that the Colts are dug in on their stance that they are not going to give out a con they are not giving out new money. You know, it's not as if the Colts have extended Michael Pittman or extended uh, anybody else that's going to be a free agent this upcoming offseason because I think their stance has been we are not handing out any new contracts based on the way that last season ended or the way last season went for us. Um, I mean, by the way, you can blame a lot of the people that are still in the building on the way like that, that aren't <laughs> players, right? The right, way things right. went. I mean, the owner yeah. who's behind all this nonsense hired a freaking TV studio analyst, okay? So uh, to be the head coach. That there is that, you know, so it's not as if the players are to blame, but I, I yeah. think that's been their stance. But Taylor wants a new deal right now. Um, I think his agent has been a little aggressive in this whole thing. Uh, so it's just been this big standstill where neither side wants to move. But yeah, I mean, they were never going to get Jalen Waddle right. plus a little extra. They were never even going to get Jonathan Taylor for Jalen Waddle straight up. It's God. obvious nonsense. And Come it just. On. I thought it was interesting that the Packers were in in apparently and nobody again nobody really got to the finish line of even like let's yeah. this offer is close right because the Colts had unreasonable expectations but I did think the fact that the Packers were the second team the mystery team along with the Dolphins yeah. making the offer I thought that was at least interesting. Yeah, that was interesting um and to me indicates you know the the boomeresque style that they want to run there <laughs> in Green Bay. They want to just pound that rock, man. Um I mean if you want to put your tinfoil hat conspiracy theory on maybe it's the that the Packers front office it doesn't quite know what they've got uh with Jordan Love. Maybe they're not quite trusting it. Maybe they want to really just I mean take this back to leather helmet style football and just run this rock right into the dirt or it's possible, too, that the Green Bay Packers were or excuse me, the Colts, uh, the Packers were looking to package maybe an aging Aaron Jones and a pick to go get Jonathan Taylor, get younger at that position, get an upgrade at that position. Uh, and the Colts or AJ Dillon. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is sure, like the sure two X version of of AJ Dillon. Like they continue that, which oh boy, what a what a fun nightmare that would have been for for yeah. fantasy football. Right. Um, <laughs> but Yeah. That maybe again, yeah, I think that it's that would have been an appealing thing to the Colts because you get a running back back. Because I maintain the fact, like, I mean, the Colts still aren't going to have Jonathan Taylor for four weeks at least, at least four weeks this year, right? Which right. is a big bummer because I think having Jonathan Taylor, who I a fully healthy Jonathan Taylor, 
would mm-hmm. certainly make life easier on their young quarterback. So I, yeah. I could see the Packers being an appealing trade target because, well, at least you'd get a running back back who's better. Even A.J. Dillon is certainly better than, you know, damn Zach Moss or um, Deion Jackson. Evan Hall, the rookie, is like a little interesting, but yeah. Oh, he's great. interesting for sure. I was just about to say, you know, again, a, a round six pick, but he did make the team, uh, made the cut. Um, and, and I thought he's a very interesting player. You know, this is a guy that's uh, got prototypical size, um, got p- posted a really good speed score as well. Um, you know, we're talking about somebody who is 5'10", 210 pounds. That's great size, uh, good prototypical size for today's NFL running back. He ran a 4.47, um, 40-yard dash out of Northwestern. So, and, and the thing is, too, he's he's pretty versatile in terms of the passing game, too. So I, I, I actually really like Evan Holt who, by the way, is like free in drafts right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would absolutely encourage people. It's like, yeah, you once you start getting to the 13th, 14th, 15th round, dart throw it at, at Evan Hall. Who the hell knows what happens? First four games, you know he's going to carve out some playing time. And I'll ask you this, Matt. How many games do you think Jonathan Taylor actually plays here in 2023? <sighs> I mean, he's coming in with a, a, a pre-existing injury. He's missing the first four games because of said injury. I'm using air quotes here. Obviously, contract dispute going a long way uh, in terms of that. But that's not going to change. Contract dispute's going to keep going into the season. Maybe Jonathan Taylor, I don't know, says, hey, listen, I, I don't mind preserving my body. Uh, you know, I got to work through my, my quote-unquote injuries going through yeah. uh, this right now and uh, go into free agency and see what happens, you know? Totally. I think there's a real chance that was the big risk for me, even um, if you never thought a guy like Josh Jacobs, and I think this does still exist for a guy like Josh Jacobs or, or Jonathan Taylor, even if you thought there was no way they're going to miss games. What happens when you know this team that doesn't hasn't committed to them, A, isn't very good, right? They're not going to make – I don't think either the Raiders or the Colts are going to make the playoffs this year, even if I think the Colts' no. offense is pretty intriguing. Probably not making the playoffs this year. Uh, the team's team's not very good. Yeah, Taylor. Oh, my hamstring's acting up. Right, like yeah. I'm I'm not going to go out and risk it for a team that isn't financially committed to me in the long term. And and I think the same thing you could say for Jacobs and the Raiders. Uh, this these why not just try to preserve it a little bit? But yeah, I I mean, how many games Jonathan Taylor plays, bro? I have no idea. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's that's why I keep saying he's going to miss at least four games because I know there will be a segment of people out there. It's like. Oh, four games. I can weather that storm. I can still take Jonathan Taylor in fantasy. You can't, dude. You just can't. I mean, no. I got him around guys that I never take at running back in terms of the rankings on the site right now. Right. You know, that back half of like tier uh, four at running back. And I mean, yeah, you want to take him ahead of like, I don't know, Dalvin Cook, I, I guess. Rashad White, no thanks. But I'm just really not taking any of these guys, honestly. It just, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, just, there's no way I can. It's just too too many bad vibes, and and you're already four games down with the risk of many more. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor, before all of this happened, was uh, basically considered, in terms of consensus, the RB9, right? So after Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, uh, Jonathan Taylor, the RB9, going around pick 24. And to be honest with you, at the time, felt pretty good taking Jonathan Taylor back end of round two, early part of round three. You're like, oh, this is... This is actually pretty nice. This guy could absolutely, you know, return value. Then he goes on the pop. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, never mind. Ooh, this is gonna be yeah. this is gonna be bad, boy. This is gonna be bad. I mean, I'm going down the list here. I mean, going down to RB20. Now we're talking like Alexander Madison 
J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers. Uh, again, I mean, maybe not Cam Akers because again, he he comes with some you know um, playing time risk as well. But I'll, I'll gladly take Alexander Madison, yeah. Um, J.K. Dobbins ahead of Jen- Jonathan Taylor. I mean, that's how far we're sliding now. That's ADP sixty. Right, James. I mean, we're talking like the Cam Akers, James Connor, James Cook. I mean, I'll take James Cook. I'll take Javante Williams. Um, yeah, ahead of some of these cats, right? So, I mean, we're really sliding right now. We know Alvin Kamara suspended for a bit, but give, go ahead and give me Alvin Kamara because I think when he comes back, he'll he'll be refreshed. <laughs> you know, I think he could give you a nice little nice little boost in the back half of the season, uh, and you don't have to spend that much draft capital on Alvin Kamara either, right? So. No, you're right, man. He he's gonna slide way, way down. Um, I mean, he might go outside the top thirty running backs. I mean, if we're if we're looking at the list here, you know, he he really might. Um, I don't know where the hell to take. I have no idea where to take Jonathan Taylor. No clue. Because I'm with you. I, I have no don't. idea how many games he's gonna play. Yep, just don't. Just don't take him. Honestly, like I don't even care. You know, you do this sometimes when you have rankings, you know, you you start to yeah. like cross off names and you start to cross off names after a guy, and it's like, okay. Yeah, it's, uh, but you still don't want to take the guy. Just take a different position. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is like where the guys, the guys I have him around uh, from a running back standpoint, these guys are, yeah, like late sixth, early seventh round picks. Look at the receivers. We're going to talk about some of them today that go in the late sixth and early seventh. You know, we're yeah, talking about those guys. Am I taking am I taking freaking Jonathan Taylor or would I take, you know, Brandon Ayuk or George Pickens or Jahan oh. Dotson or even guys like, even guys, I'm not oh, yeah. even that high on like Christian Kirk or Chris Godwin, just because of for different reasons other than just their ability. I mean, I've been saying like I am trying to avoid taking those Bucks receivers, no matter where they fall. I'll take. I will go ahead and take one of those Bucks receivers over Jonathan <laughs> Taylor in the late sixth, early seventh round. The number one storyline for Colts camp should be the development of Anthony Richardson uh, and and how he's going to you know interact with this offense with Shane Steichen. But no, that is 100% that's on the back burner right now. You're 100% right. The only thing people care about is Jonathan Taylor and his contract situation. Jim Hersey just continues to just pour gasoline on it, man. You know, like, stop it, Jim. Stop it. What are we doing out here? It don't make any sense. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time, baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Anyways, uh, we'll move on. All right, let's uh, again, we're getting you ready for your fantasy drafts. I know we generally talk about real football uh, on here, but we mix in some fantasy football and it's 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 a timely thing right now. Right. We went round by round rounds one through five in our previous episode. Now I want to go round six through ten 
on today's episode. Um, wide receiver battles, guys that are very close in ranking, guys that are, are very close in ADP, and this is an ADP aggregate from four for four. Now, this can vary wildly, as we have mentioned in previous episodes, depending on what platform you are on. But uh, the ADP aggregate from four for four gives you a general idea of when these guys are generally going um, in fantasy drafts. All right. How about six round? We'll start there. Deontay Johnson versus Brandon Ayuk. Wide receiver 28, 67 overall for Deontay Johnson. Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver 29, 68 overall. Johnson or Ayuk, these guys are are perennially on the Matt Harmon underrated list going head to head in the sixth round. Yeah. Oh man, I this is hard because I do really like these both of these players, you know, and I think they're in line for big seasons. Um we we were initially kicking around a segment about like receivers outside the top 50 picks that could be top 10 at the position. And these were two of my guys I was ready to name (laughs) kind of for two separate reasons. Um, Number one, I think I've talked about the Steelers offense so much this off season and you love this. They go ahead and like love the Steelers offense. And then they go ahead and have like a lights effing out preseason. You know, Kenny Pickett looks great. The whole offense looks really good. Um, Man, I, I think like it's just I, I'm so wheels up for that offense. You know, as long as Matt Canada can come along for the ride. That being said, I actually do have Brandon Ayuka tier higher, wide receiver twenty one for me, well ahead of consensus ADP shock. But <laughs> I get it that there's a lot of um on paper, the target distribution is gonna be tough between CMC, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle. Yep. I think Ayuk continues to ascend. Right, we saw that last year where he has a breakout season, uh, and then you know all the buzz has been positive this offseason about him taking yet another step. I think he's also just a better player. As much as I love Deontay Johnson as a route runner, I think Jay, mm-hmm. uh, I think, I think Brandon Ayuk is a better player uh, just on a pure individual basis. And lastly, you know, again, the target distribution is tough to to to, to parse out. It's still a, as much as I might be excited about the Steelers. The 49ers are a better offensive ecosystem, better, um, you know, attack overall. And there's a lot of mouths to feed theoretically, but Debo gets hurt. Kittle gets hurt. McCaffrey, knock on wood, has had injury problems. I think Ayuk has just so much contingent value on those injuries, but also has just contingent value as on his own if he just takes another step forward as a player. To me, it's a, it's a question of volume versus efficiency, right? Deontay Johnson last year saw 147 targets, 86 receptions, 907 yards. He had zero touchdowns. So we know positive touchdown regression. I guess we don't know, but I mean, God, Leo would be stunned if he did not get like six, six to eight touchdowns. Um, Positive touchdown regression off 147 targets, Matt, bro. I mean, come on. (laughs) Come on, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Who has zero touchdowns on 147 targets? This is absolute madness. Um, <clears throat> so 147 targets for for Deontay Johnson. By the way, that level of volume, obviously air, air yards figures into the volume equation as well, but that level of volume, I mean, almost always guarantees you a top 20 finish at that position. You know, you're going to be really hard pressed to find a top 20 wide receiver that didn't see 140 or a a receiver who sees 140 targets that doesn't finish as a top 20 in that position. Right. Um, And then Brandon Ayuk was more productive 
with his 114 targets, still decent target volume. You know, we, you'd like him to see get to mm-hmm. about 125, but 114 is fine. As you mentioned, he could be an ascending player, could potentially get to 125. Easy, no problems. But 78 catches last year, turned those 78 catches into 1,038 total yards with eight touchdowns. Right, so a more productive player than Deontay Johnson in terms of yardage and touchdowns, way more obviously in the touchdown department. Uh, but when you're when you're looking at them in the sixth round of your draft, that's the 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 weighing that you're doing. How much do I uh, how much do I value volume versus how much do I, I value explosive playmaking? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair point. I think there's. It might be unlikely that Deontay sees 147 targets again, but he's not going to dip below like 130, 135. Um, right. Just because I think Pickens is going to take a step forward in his second year. You know, they have some decent role playing guys there as well. But, you know, we can definitely see an efficiency boost in Pittsburgh based on the way Kenny Pickett's played and the, you know, the buzz about him. I, I really think he's going to be much better than people expect this year. And I think his offense overall is going to be much better than people expect. So it is tempting to go with Deontay, who I love. I mean, I, another guy I have ranked ahead of consensus is I've been clicking his name a lot this offseason. You know, you know, he's one of my guys. I just think yeah. that Ayuk, a better player in a better ecosystem already. And again, has that target contingent value if some of these other guys miss time. Uh, by the way, Pittsburgh, <clears throat> if you're looking for potential volume upgrades there, okay, so Pittsburgh had 571 pass attempts last year. That ranked uh, 17th, so about league average, just a little bit below league average uh, in terms of total pass attempts. So there is some room uh, to potentially grow there from a, a passing game perspective. Uh, I wouldn't say a ton, uh, but there is, you know, uh, again, it's not like it's not like they threw the ball 600 times. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, we want them to be more efficient. We want Kenny Pickett to be better than he was as a rookie, which is reasonable. And we want him to be better than like late stage Ben Roethlisberger, because right, uh, which is also, by the way, reasonable. Um, you know, especially from a pushing the ball downfield perspective, that's been the encouraging part about Deontay in the preseason. I keep bringing up all these positive points with Deontay, and then I'm going with with Ayuk on this one. But um, <laughs> with Deontay in the preseason, we've right. seen it like this has been a guy who's had like a shorter average depth of target, which. I think has more been about the scheme and the quarterbacks that they've played with, both a rookie and a declining veteran, a steeply declining veteran. I think right. we, if we see um, Pickett shoot downfield a little more, and especially to Deontay on some of these like sideline go routes and stuff like that, more dig routes, post routes, things of that nature, if we can get those more mixed in here, Matt Canada, please, that'd be great. Um, then I don't really care if he sees – 147 targets again again if he's at 130 but they're coming a little more downfield there's more explosive plays here then right. I'm, I'm okay with that um all right so we're going iuk right there in the sixth round seventh round jahan dotson wide receiver 34 82 overall versus michael Pittman, wide receiver 36 84 overall again this is the seventh round wide receiver battle dotson versus michael Pittman. what you got matt Harmon? Oof. um again another tough one i Another tough one, but I do kind of have a tear gap between these guys mm. because I'm so far ahead of consensus on Michael Pittman. And John Dotson's obviously been rising for me. You know, he's a big reception perception guy himself. Um, yep. Another guy that, you know, I considered both of the Washington receivers in that, uh, you know, guys that could be top 10 players outside the top 50 picks just because I love these, these two guys together so much. But, you know, the fact that, Dotson eventually will have to deal with a healthy Terry McLaurin um, competing for targets there, I think is what what keeps him still to me like 
more of a volatile receiver three than a re- true receiver two. Like I think there are scenarios where Jahan Dotson could be a receiver two uh, in fantasy. Yeah. But right. uh, at this point, I think it would you know it would take a big step from Sam Howell or a big step from Washington overall, which is not impossible, but not something that I'm going to project. With Michael Pittman, man, I mean, the guy caught 99 passes last year. His ADP, which is wide receiver 36, suggests that people think he's going to catch like 65 balls this year. Have we ever seen a receiver that wasn't like an aging player just suddenly go from 99 to 66? That's or what something I'm like that. It's crazy. Uh, I, and and I mean, this is a guy who's going to dominate targets in his offense, if, especially like if the last couple years have been any indication, the preseason's been an indication. I mean, they're they've got a lot of intriguing players there in Indianapolis. You know, I love Josh Downs, the rookie receiver. I, I like Alec Pierce as like a vertical X receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, the tight ends are mildly interesting, even though Jelani Woods sounds like he might start the year on IR, which is unfortunate. But like Pittman in preseason has been Anthony Richardson's dude. You know, he's been the target hog of that offense. And there's obviously um accuracy. Uh there's obviously, you know, just pass volume concerns in Indianapolis, but when Anthony Richardson does drop back to pass, he's going to be looking for Michael Pittman. Like I think Pittman still projects for again, probably not 141 targets like similar with Deontay, but if those targets are like the quality of those looks last year, it's just like so disgusting. You know, this guy's like a 7.6 <laughs> average depth of target. Right, right. Those right. are wor- those are worthless to me. I would much rather have like 125 to 130 targets for Michael Pittman and him, you know, being like a 10 to 11, even just even that like average depth of target, which is very possible yeah. based on his skill set. Uh, yeah, you would think that his skill set, I think, um, pairs very well with Anthony. First of all, he's a he's a big guy, right? So he's a big target. Um, you can always find him. Um, for Anthony Richardson, I think that's I think that's really important. You know what I mean? Jahan Dotson last year um, obviously did not put up huge, you know, uh, gross numbers. Five hundred sixteen receiving yards, seven touchdowns. He was like a touchdown machine. Unbelievable um, touchdown ratio. Seven touchdowns on just sixty one targets, which is just that's insane. That's bonkers. That doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, he missed five games in the middle of the season, uh, but it should be noted that Dotson in the last five games to end 2022 did average seven targets per game, uh, saw, took home 4.2 receptions, 69 yards, and scored three touchdowns in those uh, five games. Um, over a 17-game pace, that would be 120 targets, 71 receptions, 1170 through the air and 10 touchdowns. Michael Pittman was a top 20 wide receiver last year, Matt, to your point, 99 receptions, 925 through the air and four touchdowns. Um, Again, uh, he's another one of these dudes, like just like Deontay Johnson. I don't know how this guy saw 141 targets and did not crack a thousand yards. Uh, But again, the air yards will certainly um, you know, explain a, a lot of yeah. the inefficiencies there for Michael Pittman, man. But golly, I, I'm with you. I don't, I just don't understand. Uh, this guy basically had a hundred catches last year. People drafted him like, you know, like you said, like he's going to catch 70 to 75 balls. I, I just, I don't see a world where that happens if he stays healthy. I could see 75, but the average yards per catch is going to be much higher because, uh, you know, Anthony Richardson can throw it farther than like, go watch Matt Ryan play last year for God's sakes. I mean, mm-hmm. they have Michael Pittman doing nothing but running these like little shallow routes. Cause that's all that Matt Ryan can do. But you know, you look at Michael Pittman's reception perception from last year, 
obviously this is a guy who can get open against man press and zone coverage. 95th percentile success rate versus press. We detailed on the show before about how all of his scores are pretty similar. Um, but like post routes and dig routes, like more intermediate and vertical routes working over the middle of the field where I think they're going to want Anthony Richardson hitting those like RPO and play action passes. That's where we want Pittman catching more passes there. So he can get to even, even like 70, right. And, and he could really pay off, um, ADP if he just is getting more involved down the field. I mean, to your point in 2021, this guy saw 129 targets, bit of a dip, but he took home 88 receptions and had uh, 1,082 yards with six touchdowns. He averaged 12.3 yards per reception. Last year, he averaged 9.3 yards per reception. So again, I just think, you know, there's tremendous upside here uh, for Michael Pittman. I'm not convinced that Anthony Richardson is just going to be one of these tuck it and run dudes. Um, I'm just not yeah. convinced of that. I, I think that he's going to sit in the pocket and throw the ball around a little bit and then use his legs to be a, a special playmaker. Um, I love this pick from the Colts. I thought they, that this is the right call. Um, certainly an experimental pick just because he's a developmental player. Um, but I don't see them, you know, again, they had a huge pass volume last year. They cracked, you know, um, what is it? Uh, they had 604 pass attempts last year. That was eighth most in the NFL. Um, so yeah, I could see obviously them coming back down to, to average, you know, like, let's say like 570 pass attempts out of those 570, uh, I could easily see Michael Pittman taking home 130 targets. I don't think that's, I don't think that's out of the question, man. So I think the volume's certainly going to be there. The skill set, as you have highlighted is certainly there. Um, and, and Dotson, while he's an explosive playmaker, Matt, I do wonder about the touchdowns. Seven touchdowns on 61 targets, that's just not sustainable unless literally this guy's like Chris Carter. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I just don't I just don't see it. You know, seven touchdowns on 61 targets is is astronomically high. If that comes back down uh, to a more normal rate, which would be like half. Um, you know, uh, and, and don't you feel like too, that's where Dotson gets a lot of shine right now is those splash play touchdowns. Yeah. But I also think that I agree with you. Obviously the rate at which he scored those touchdowns is not going to continue, but he's going to get more volume because he's hopefully going to be healthier over the course of the season, right? Like he could double right. that the 61 targets he saw last year. He could realistically double that this year. Oh yeah. Um, 115 or 120, something like that. And, you know, then, I mean, yeah, he might score, he might score seven touchdowns on 120 targets, which from a rate perspective, yeah. obviously is regression. Yep. But I would say that the, the good thing about Dotson, like go back and look at those touchdowns. Like what is the flukiness of those? It wasn't like, you know, blown coverages or no. stuff like that. Guy wins like down the field. He gets open down the field and he, and when he's not open or when the quarterback throws him into contested situations, he can win in contested situations as well. The guy's catch radius is dead. His catch rate is absurd. It's it's insane. It's it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, by the way, since we're talking about team, um, you know, volume here, Washington uh, was in the b- bottom third, twentieth overall in terms of passing volume, five hundred fifty four pass attempts last year. I have to imagine, Matt with Sam Howell under center. I think that number goes up. Um, mm. I think they'd be smart to at least at least test it out, see what's happening here. You know, I know that that'll probably drive Ron Rivera crazy <laughs> just with the way, you know, Sam Howell can be sporadic and erratic, but um, 
I think they they got to let it loose, man. Hey, listen, you you, br- you bring in a guy like Eric Bieniemy, uh, cut it loose a little bit, you know. I wouldn't be surprised to see them push 600 pass attempts in 2023. I don't think that would surprise me um, at all. All right, let's go to the eighth round, shall we? All right, eighth round, Brandon Cooks, wide receiver, 39, 91 overall versus Jackson Smith in Jigba, wide receiver, 40. 92 overall. Now, again, he did return to practice from the wrist injury, um, but he does play for Pete Carroll, so we don't have any true idea as to when uh, JSN will be fully healthy and operational. But he did return to practice. That's a great sign as we are one week out uh, from the start of the season. So, you know, maybe he gets off to a little bit of a slow start. Maybe he doesn't play week one. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, But Brandon Cooks, the theoretically maybe the number two receiver there outside of CD lamb in Dallas JSN the number clearly the number three wide receiver there in Seattle uh, but their numbers um, are, are very close in terms of ADP who are you going with the old vet or are you going with the young guy yeah I do think JSN might miss a week or two still to start the season even though he got into practice with a cast on today I, I think I'm still going to go JSN here, though. Um, I like Brandon Cooks. I like the addition from a football perspective for mm-hmm. uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Speed flanker receiver, exactly what they needed last year. But I expect Seattle's target distribution to be highly concentrated between these three receivers, you know, between JSN and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And, you know, just betting on the role that JSN is going to have is that, like, slot receiver in this 11 personnel offense yeah you can get so many layup looks but also as a playmaker um with brandon cooks i think the gap between cooks and Gallup is not going to be as wide as people think i think they are still going to mix tight ends in there like jake ferguson i think is going to have a nice season they're going to mix tony pollard in in the passing game like i think whereas seattle is going to be highly concentrated between three people uh, yeah. I think that Dallas is going to be highly concentrated with CD lamb. Like he's going to have a big dominant target share like we expect, but I think the two to five, you know, being probably in this order, cooks, Gallup, Ferguson Pollard. I think that group two to five is going to be pretty like spread out. Um, there's that's going to be pretty close. At least closer than like ADP suggests. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see how much they work in um, their tight ends. Um, I'm just not, I'm just not sure. Plus they've got a new OC. I, it's like, you know, what does the scheme look like with Brian Schottenheimer there calling plays? I, and again, calling plays when Mike McCarthy th- is there is like, so, you yeah. know, you know, Mike, Mike McCarthy's going to call gonna plays, you know, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's a transition because Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore used to do be like very tight end heavy and used to do a lot of like creative tight end stuff. Whereas I right. think with McCarthy, they're kind of pulling most of the strings here. They're going to be a three receiver offense with one tight end, but I still think Ferguson is going to get a lot of uh, like a lot of looks more than people think. I first of all, I I've been on record. I love Jake Ferguson. I think he's got baby Mark Andrews vibes. Um, I love the way he played last year. He just to me just popped, um, and, and I really liked what I saw from Ferguson last year. Again, I'm I'm going so far as to say he's giving me Mark Andrews vibes. Right. I mean, that's, like that's yeah. how far yeah. that's, that's how much I like Jake Ferguson. I just don't know how much he's going to be utilized in this offense. If you're asking me, Matt, I'm probably leaning towards Brandon cooks here because I hear what you're saying about Michael Gallup. I don't think that gap is going to be very big at all. 
Um, I think, you know, we are going to see Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, CD Lamb. I think those three guys will form a really nice trio for Dak Prescott. But Brandon Cooks is just at, at this point, it's like it's pointless to bet against the guy. You know, it doesn't matter. He goes to new teams, new offenses, new coordinators, new quarterbacks. Every single place he goes, the guy produces. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't be surprised, which, by the way, Dak Prescott, easily the best quarterback he's seen in ages. I think Brandon Cooks comes in. I think he drops 1,100 yards, you know, five to six touchdowns, has a a really, really solid season. Um, Nothing against JSN. I, you know, I love JSN. But again, I do wonder, I don't think we're going to see an increase in passing volume. Both these teams, by the way, should be mentioned, Dallas and Seattle, were just about league average, had around 570 pass attempts for, for each team. Uh, but again, I, just with Pete Carroll at the helm, those, those two running backs, I, I don't see them throwing the ball more. I think they're going to just do what they do. Um, their defense is still obviously a work in progress, so they'll be forced into some throws here. But I just wonder, as a number three wide receiver for JSN, I think he's going to see, as you mentioned, high quality looks, probably a lot of efficiency. The volume concerns, man. I just think from a fantasy perspective, I'll go ahead and take Brandon Cooks there. But but again, very, very close, as you can see from the ADP. Yeah, it's it's close. It's close for me in rankings, too. They're in the same tier, and um, I get it if you just want the boring vet and like the easier yeah. projection, you're probably for going sure. Cooks there. But <laughs> And I think he is at risk of being a little forgotten Brandon cooks. Um, and, and you know, I don't care what Mike McCarthy says about one, well, we're on the run the ball and you know what Kellen Moore did and, and all this stuff, this team's right. going to throw the ball a lot. This team's yeah. going to throw the ball a lot because the, just for the sure. we- weapons that they have there, it would be a huge mistake for them not to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, by the way, Brandon cooks, 29 years old. I know it seems like he's been in the, in the league since the Reagan administration, but just 29 <laughs> years old. He's still, the guy still got some tread on the tires. Obviously, I, I thought he flashed, you know, pretty good, um, you know, potential last year with the Houston Texans. I just bring this up because it's crazy that Calvin Ridley is 28 years old. Amari Cooper is 29 years old as well. Yeah. Um, Calvin Ridley was drafted in 2018 too. You know, Brandon Cooks was drafted in 2014 before both of those dudes. So yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. He's He was a very young player when he came in the league and he's just moved around so much that it feels like he's a billion years old, but he's not. Yeah. <laughs> he will turn 30, um, you know, pretty early in the season. So it's his age 30 season. I'm just, I'm just bringing it up. It's, it feels like he's 35 years old. It's just not the case. Um, turning 30, he's going to his age 30 season, uh, as we go into 2023, I'll, I'll give the slight edge for me personally, uh, to Brandon cooks in that eighth round over JSN. All right. Ninth round we go. Zay flowers, the rookie wide receiver, 43, 103 overall versus, one of my personal favorites, Sky Moore, wide receiver 44, according to aggregate ADP on 444.com, 107 overall versus Zay Flowers 103. I don't need to give a lot of stats here because Zay Flowers, a rookie, Sky Moore just played so sparingly, his stats don't even matter at all. Uh, yeah. But ninth round, where are you going? Zay Flowers or Sky Moore? I, it's so, this is a very close one. Uh, I have. Sky Moore and right right before the trio of uh, basically almost right in a row, the trio of Ravens receivers. Okay, um, I have uh, so I have Sky Moore ranked higher. Sky Moore is uh, is where I'd go here. Um, and I want people to take their shots on Ravens receivers. I actually have Rashad Bateman ranked 
first of this group just because mm-hmm. I think he has the most upside as a player. I think he has an alpha profile. I think Zay Flowers could be a number one receiver too, but just I've seen Bateman play in the NFL. And when he's played in the NFL, he's really good. Obviously, I know he's dealing with a comeback from an injury and stuff like that. Right. So um, that's why I have all these guys ranked together because I want people to take shots on Ravens receivers, but I want people to take shots on Sky Moore too. Um, it's funny, James, when you uh, – discuss like chiefs receivers last year you know people immediately bring up well you know there's no there there wasn't really any receiver one last year you know nobody really stood out from the pack you know juju Mm -hmm. smith schuster was the wide receiver 29 and you know whatever in fantasy so it's not like you're shooting for big sense yeah but sky moore's being drafted outside the top 40 receivers if he ends up being receiver 29 which juju was in six not 16 healthy games either um right. yeah that's a win that's a win for sky Moore. and you know Total. 78 totally catches yeah, 933 yards and three touchdowns like i think sky Moore can catch 80 balls this year i think he get um, close to a thousand yards i think we've and, and again may, maybe if you've missed our sky Moore discussion um sky Moore, i i feel like and matt i, I want you to clarify on this I feel like he can play not just in the slot. Like this guy has some skills that will allow him to play off the ball flanker um, and and outside. I think he's got some versatility to his game, which, by the way, I think is really, really important in this Andy Reid scheme. Totally. Um, You know, we talked several months ago about Sky Moore saying like, yeah, he had a slow rookie season. You know, no kidding he had a slow rookie season because he was coming from Western Michigan going to Andy Reid's offense. I made the analogy that it's like moving to a foreign country, learning the language and learning <laughs> to drive on the other side of the street, right? Yep, like, and the right. current, it's like it's so much of a transition that this was obviously an experimental role for him. Um, but you're right. He showed in limited action, uh, playing a lot of different positions for the Chiefs offense too. Like they tried him a little bit at X, they tried him at flanker, they tried him at slot, they tried him as like a pre-snap motion gadget guy. I think he can do all that stuff, but his best mark was a 73.1% success rate versus press on 20% of his routes. So not an insignificant sample there either, which is a 70th percentile mark. So they're going to have him and MVS as the two receive like the the two guys in two receiver sets. And then I think when they go to 11, which is what Juju was last year, he was a flanker right. slot guy for them. And when they go to 11 personnel, they'll probably move Sky more into the slot. When they have Kadarius Tony as a slot player, a gadget guy, they'll still I think they can have more as a slot or as a flanker. You know, Travis Kelsey's going to line up out wide sometimes too. So right. the fact that Sky Moore could play all these different positions you know, the fact that he, um, again, cl- just projects so cleanly into this like flanker slot role that Juju had last year. You know, Juju doesn't suck. They're, you're not just going to take Juju, no. an established veteran off the field uh, to play this raw second round rookie. But now that Juju's gone, there's really no one else that projects into this role. And I think Sky Moore is good enough to earn the role, which he already has, and keep the role throughout the course of the season. So I love these Ravens receivers. Again, I want people to draft Ravens receivers and like take the upside that these guys have with a new offense with Todd Monken taking over here in Baltimore. But I do think Sky Moore is um, a guy that just projects so much better playing with Patrick Mahomes right now. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. He's playing with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, come on. You <laughs> didn't mention that, that part yet. Yeah, exactly. Not, not that Lamar Jackson's bad, but I mean, come on. We're talking about Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I, okay, let's go on to the 10th round here. 
because I want to bring, you brought up Rashad Bateman. Um, I, I want to kind of hit this one home because you're saying, hey, you want to encourage folks in fantasy drafts to, to take a Baltimore wide receiver. But I think you would also agree, maybe you don't, I don't know, but I think you would also agree you want to take a swing on one. But I would think, and correct me if, if, if you don't agree, but I don't think it's a smart strategy to swing on, on two or even three Baltimore wide receivers. Yeah, no. Um, I think you, I want you to take one of them. But I want, like, yeah. okay, you see Bateman go off the board, take Zay Flowers. You see Zay Flowers go off the board, take Odell Beckham, take Rashad yeah. Bateman. I think right. any one of these, you could tell me that any one of these guys leads the team in receiving yards and catches, and, and I would believe it because I just think that they're all three really, really good players, and this scheme is changing and evolving. So, right. yeah, I don't don't go and be like, all right, Ninth round, I'm taking Zay Flowers. Tenth round, I'm taking Rashad Bateman. And eleventh round, I'm taking Odell Beckham. But like somewhere <laughs> in that range, yeah, mix in right. a Ravens receiver because you're right. If you have, if you hit the one that really pops, I think you're going to hit pretty big. Right, it's looking pretty good. Okay, tenth round battle here. Okay, so I, I brought up Rashad Bateman. He's wide receiver 51, 120 overall. Tenth uh, round, uh, going up against Elijah Moore, my personal favorite sleeper wide receiver this year. Wide receiver 50, 119 overall. So we're talking 119, 120 overall. Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, who you got? Yeah, I actually have these guys both ranked. Well ahead of this, uh, I have Rashad Bateman ranked at wide receiver 45. He goes at wide receiver 51. I have Elijah Moore ranked at wide receiver 40 when he goes wide receiver 50. So he's going to be my answer here. Again, I think love these Ravens pass catchers. Love the way this offense is set up right now. Um, Cleveland, I'm definitely a little like sketched out about Deshaun Watson and and really, you know, the 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 oil and water effect of his best stuff was Kevin Stefanski, what he does. But I do think that Elijah Moore is going to play a ton for them. I think uh, if Elijah Moore, I mean, Deshaun Watson is just functional. I think Elijah Moore is really going to hit it big this year. Who We know he's a good player, right? We, we saw him play really well in college. We saw him play really well in reception perception as a rookie. Even last year, reception perception would show he's like an over 70% success rate versus man and press player. And they're, we know they're going to move him around a lot to, to play all three different positions at the receiver room. They are even going to line him up in the backfield and like get him the ball in space in ways. I just think Elijah Moore is way too good of a player in an offense where he's going to moonwalk into a big target share across yep. from Amari Cooper to be going at wide receiver 50. So he is my answer here, although I, I am ahead of consensus on both these guys. Yeah, I love Elijah Moore. Everyone knows that at this point. Um, I think he's going to absolutely pop and um, and just listen, w- whatever you think about Amari Cooper, some people love him. Some people say he's overrated, whatever, whatever. Uh, but the bottom line is, I-, I think he operates the best when he gets to move around, too. Right. Yeah. So if he is a if he can mix into the slot, if he could play flanker or outside as an X um, and if Elijah Moore can do all three of those things, anytime you add versatility to an offense, that's good. Um, now, can Stefanski figure it all out? Because as you mentioned, there's a little bit of an oil water effect. I think Stefanski's best stuff, best stuff is under center. Um, and then obviously working in Nick Chubb quite a bit and then playing off a of play action. That's not what Deshaun Watson does, right? Deshaun Watson's got to see it and throw it guy. He's got to set up in the shotgun. Um, that's where he's the most effective. That's where he's the most comfortable. So yeah, there's a little bit of that. Um, can Stefanski alter his scheme enough to, to meet the, 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 the skill set of his players? We'll see. I think that's the big question mark 
going into this season is whether or not Stefanski and Deshaun Watson can make it work. By the way, if they're going to make a choice, you know they're going to make the, the they're going with yeah. the quarterback, yeah, right? They're going with the quarterback. Stefanski would be quite honestly, he'd be stupid not to know that. Um, and so he should be working as hard as he can. And I think he's a smart guy, by the way. I, I think he can figure it out. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's learned from some of the best offensive minds in the NFL. You know what I mean? So I think he can figure this out. Um, and, and I am, and I am hopeful that Cleveland gets back on track. Um, and Deshaun Watson now with a full training camp under his belt, you know, a lot of the controversy getting further and further away from him. Um, I think he can just focus in on football and get back into football shape. So we'll see. All right, let's talk about favorite sleepers at the wide receiver position outside of the top 50 wide receivers. So we are going, we're going pretty deep now. Okay. So like I said, we went through 10 rounds uh, going round by round. Elijah Moore is the wide receiver 50. Rashad Bateman's the wide receiver 51. Uh, give me three other guys, Matt Harmon, outside of the top 50 wide receivers. We're now going double digits, most likely in your fantasy draft rounds, 10, 11, 12, and on um, three wide receivers that, that you really, really like. It's got to start with Nico Collins, who I can't believe is still the receiver 52 coming off the board right behind the two guys we just talked about Elijah Moore and uh, Rashad Bateman. Yeah. Nico Collins I think would have broken out last year when Brandon Cooks was quite quitting on the team. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, his quarterbacks <laughs> were – this guy literally played two games with Kyle Allen. I mean, I, I watched know. those games because, you know, this I is know. what I have to do with for reception perception. The, the, what a disaster. But he was still getting Crazy. a ton of looks. And 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 I think has been a guy that we've seen in reception perception show pretty well against press man coverage as a true X receiver. Um, you know, could he be like, I've called him poor man T Higgins, maybe a little bit of Michael Gallup to his game. These are guys, yeah. I mean, Michael Gallup, if he turns out to be Michael Gallup, he's going to be a huge value at wide receiver 52. And I mean, preseason usage is only confirmed what we thought. 90, according to Dwayne McFarlane from fantasy life, 91% route participation, 30% target share, 34% air yard share. Um, I, he was that's a guy huge. that again, that's huge, huge for a receiver going this late in the draft. It's got to start with Nico Collins. Like if you get on the, if you're on the board are you on the clock and Nico Collins is on the board in the 10th round, I don't give a shit what you've done before. I want you yeah. to take this guy, just smash take him because smash that pick. And where I've got him ranked, like you're definitely going to, if you're using my rankings, you're definitely taking Nico Collins. Like, because this is a guy that, like I said, in reception perception is shown to be a true X receiver that can win in contested situations, but can get open, can literally can separate against press man coverage and work over the middle of the field in this offense with CJ Stroud, who's, you know, he's a rookie quarterback, but he's already shown to be a competent vertical passer. I think him and Nico are going to have, like, he's, he's a great breakout candidate this year, Nico Collins. So definitely for me, the best sleeper outside the top 50 wideouts. He should be, he should be going at least in the forties. I agree with that a hundred percent. And he follows that uh, more traditional trajectory of a third year wide receiver breakout candidate, right? So he's going into his third year. He's just, he's going to be 24 years old. So still a young dude. Um, By the way, the reason he's kind of sort of being forgotten is because the Texans were so bad last year. Um, and Nico Collins got caught up in that wash, right? Um, he played, um, uh, what is it? He only played 10 games last year, saw 66 targets, 37 receptions, 481 yards and caught two touchdowns. Now you're saying, well, okay, that doesn't show a lot. 
But again, I think that's kind of sort of the power of reception perception and what Matt Harmon does is that, hey, listen, I know the counting stats didn't look great, uh, but if you're if we are going by the company's motto of telling you who's good before they're good, this is this is the prime guy for that, man. This is absolutely yeah. the prime guy for that. This guy had 481 yards last year. Um, and to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if he cracks a thousand uh, in 2023. I mean, let's be real, right? Uh, CJ Stroud, I think is he's first of all, um, Derek Klassen said CJ Stroud in his mind was the best quarterback prospect for 2022. Um, and he didn't yeah. think it was that close. He was like, he, this guy's ready to play in the NFL. Um, and, and I think CJ Stroud gives the passing game a huge boost. Um, not that Davis Mills was the worst quarterback in the entire universe last year. I'm not saying that, um, but certainly profiles more as like a very high quality backup. Um, and CJ Stroud, I think can give them, um, some real juice and you know where he really, I think gives them juice, Matt. Uh, and this works perfectly with what Nico Collins does. I think over the top CJ Stroud totally. looks, looks great. Right. And, and you're talking about the air yard share, man. And, uh, the target share, the air yard share is really where, where it's at with Nico, right? If he's in 30% air yards, like bro, <laughs> this guy, is, this guy doesn't need to see that many targets. Um, to be a highly productive player. Yeah, I mean he's he's just a smash at this point at ADP. I I'm, I've been drafting Nico a lot the last two years. I think this is the year it's going to work. All right. Uh, how about Marvin Mims there in Denver? Um, you know, uh, Cortland Sutton uh, is the only other established starter at the wide receiver position that's not banged up. Jerry Judy, big time hamstring injury. There was questions as to whether or not he'd start the year on the pop. Um, I guess he won't, but I mean, just because that conversation was happening, you, you got to think he's going to be pretty banged up, uh, to start the season. Marvin Mims. Absolutely. Hey, by the way, go back and listen to the past episodes. Uh, Matt and I, man, we, we were crazy high on Marvin Mims before the injury happened. Now that the injury has happened, Marvin Mims needs to go way up draft boards. Yeah. He needs to be like a fringe top 50 receiver at, at worst right now. And, and he's still going like, when we were putting this segment together, I was like, oh, we have to talk about Marvin Mims. Like, I almost forgot because he's going so he's still going so late. Um, Marvin Mims, like you said, with Jerry Judy banged up. By the way, Jerry Judy, like, number one, never victory lap an injury because that's how you look like a jackass. But yeah. maybe because Jerry Judy always gets banged up, that's why his reception perception sample doesn't look so good because he's playing through right. injuries, right? Uh, he's a guy that's been consistently injured throughout the course of his season. So this is not surprising. I mean, shoot the Denver Broncos receivers have been so snake bit in the last couple of years. Um, oh my God. like they just, I don't know what it is, man, but they like Sutton gets hurt a couple of years ago. Tears ACL. Tim Patrick's been out for the season yeah. two years in a row. KJ Hamler right. is not going to play. Oh, I mean, it's crazy. Just the amount of, and Jerry Judy, like oh. I said, is consistently banged up every year. So brutal luck there. And that's kind of what brings you to Marvin Mims who, I mean, shoot, maybe this, ghostly curse will hit him next but oh let's knock on wood and hope not because Marvin right. Mims now is going to open the season as a starter for this team and like you said a man coverage beater in college a guy who showed that he could win over the top could win on like slant routes that he could win in contested situations you know he has that like John Brown sort of like I'll just go get that ball deep and, and yep. win in tight coverage I kind of compared him to like a T.Y. Hilton type of player 
Um, I think that's where Russell Wilson can still be a viable starter is throwing the ball over the top. I just don't think he's going to, you know, work well in the intermediate areas. I think there's a chance Russ can get benched at one point this year. Like he's still a huge question mark, but I think Mm -hmm. Marvin Mims with all that stuff to combine together, I think there's a chance that he starts the year off as a starter, never lets that job go. And he might be the best receiver on this roster by the end of the year. Uh, you're talking about getting into that 10th, 11th round. I mean, 11th round, just go ahead again. I'm smashing this pick. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not waiting. I'm not trying to get more value from Marvin Mims. Forget about it. No, like smash that pick. Give me that dude. All right, uh, give me another guy here outside of the top fifty uh, wide receivers that you think could significantly outperform ADP if everything breaks right. Yeah, this is so boring, um, and I know people hate this because there is no upside and blah blah blah. But I do kind of think <laughs> if you are, <laughs> if you get outside the top fifty receivers, you know, you're in okay. the twelfth round. And you're not totally confident in your receiver room. You know, okay. maybe you didn't like hammer the position early and you're looking for somebody that's going to be a bankable, like solid starter. I think Adam Thielen's in a pretty good spot. With oh, Panthers, um, here's the thing with Thielen. <laughs> you know, you look at like his yards per route run, targets per route run and stuff like that from last year. It doesn't look good. Um, people talk about him like he's cooked. I think I've charted a couple games from, from him. I don't have a full profile up on the site, but yeah. um, just did go back and, and chart a few games. He's not, he, he's definitely not like completely washed. Okay. Like I think okay. he's done as a perimeter wide receiver, but yeah. he's not going to be a perimeter wide, wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. We've seen in preseason so far, he's been a pure, like more of a big slot, like a power slot type. And there's not going to be a lot of explosive plays with Thielen, but he could get a lot. I mean, he was getting targeted like crazy in the preseason, of course, because the rest of the receivers are banged up, too. That's another thing here, too, for Thielen. I like right. Mingo as a back half of the year guy. I'm a big Jonathan Mingo fan, but I think Thielen's going to start the season pretty hot because it, we just can't discount this enough. Think about guys like Larry Fitzgerald, who like started to show declines as a perimeter player and then moved into the slot. And I think Thielen yeah. is that guy for this year. And and so is so by the way, so is Allen Robinson in Pittsburgh, but he's competing with two you know, right. Ascendant young players. And, and for Carolina, I mean, I don't think their offense is going to be very good, but I think they're going to throw a lot to Adam Thielen to start the season. Well, I think they're going to have to, uh, if they want to stay competitive here, um, I'll give you one. Um, and then we'll, we'll get the hell out of here. But I think Van Jefferson right now is the forgotten man, um, in Los Angeles. If Matt Stafford and all the reports are that Matt Stafford's health is, is really good. Um, no lingering issues from from the health effects from last year. Cooper Cup, um, you know, hopefully is right. But who's the next guy outside of Cooper Cup there in Los Angeles? And again, it's not as if Sean McVay's not there, right? Yeah. Sean McVay's going to cook up some things. Um, and similar to what we've seen with Andy Reid, I know there's been a little, just a little tiny little bit of buzz following, you know, Puka Nakua. But I feel the same way about rookies in a Sean McVay system too. Is that they take there's a quite a bit of ramp up time. Van Jefferson now has been on the team for ages. Like he knows he should know this playbook back and forth. Um, and then when we're talking about you know potentially seeing air yards, Van Jefferson's right there. This is a guy that um, and Matt, maybe you can clarify some of these numbers for, here for us. But I just think he's got some real traits. Um, that will allow him to play flanker and again at times in the slot too. Yeah, I think he look go back at his last tw- his last season 2021 like his last fully healthy season for the LA Rams. Um 
69.1% success rate versus man. A lot of success on posts, nines, corners, deep out routes. Um, Yeah, I I wouldn't say he's the most consistent player, uh, but I think he's a pretty solid route runner and he can play that X receiver position. Um, You know, when he was, when he, in this, most of this 2021 season, uh, he was playing in that X receiver role until Odell Beckham got there because that was like kind of his natural position was to be that X in this offense. But um, yeah, I I really like Van Jefferson. I mean, and Van Jefferson, by the way, ADP, wide receiver 79. Uh, Yeah, he's going to outkick that for sure. I think Van Jefferson is an underrated player overall and somebody that should be uh, getting drafted more towards the back half of fantasy drafts. Um, As a matter of fact, from his 2021 profile, uh, a lot of green on his charts, man. You know, corner nine post, again, all above the NFL average, uh, again, a, a ha, has shown a proclivity to be a good down the field threat. He's playing with a uh, um, a good quarterback. I'm not going to say a great quarterback, but a good quarterback in Matt Stafford. And he's playing with a great offensive minded head coach, just straight up great mm-hmm. in Sean McVay. There's a lot of things here. There's a lot of ingredients in that pot uh, that will allow Van Jefferson, if he stays healthy, there's a lot to like about the Van yeah. Jefferson profile, Matt. There really is. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he should lead the list of like forgotten wide receivers at this point. Um, I think yeah. he's got, I, I was just gonna, he's got a great opportunity ahead of him too to 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 really show. You know, Al Robinson gone, Robert Woods gone, uh, Odell yeah. Beckham obviously long gone. You know, it's it's pretty much his. Cooper Cup obviously is going to do his thing from the slot and as a flanker, but we're, perimeter receivers he's got even Puka Nakua, who I like. He's probably more of a flanker slot. So I think Jefferson's right. going to have a big role here in this offense. All right. I love it. Uh, our show is running long. We normally get to, um, you know, the option route at this point in the show, but I think the show's a little too long. I'll tell you what, we're going to bring it back next week, guys. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll hit the option route there. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, we got to get out of here because the show is running just a little bit long. Uh, if you want to find some of the work, maybe you don't know where the, all the stats that we're talking about come from success rate versus man zone coverage, you know, over the top nine routes, all those things receptionperception.com. Uh, we added quarterback charting tremendous value for free this year. Uh, we didn't raise prices at all, but if you want to go check out the site, that'd be great receptionperception.com. And if you're staying with us this long, God bless you. Uh, like, and subscribe. Uh, and rate the show as well wherever you get your podcast. All right, that's it for us. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. And remember, you're never too old. It's never too late to chase your dreams. All right, we'll see you. Peace.